Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 308. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you once again for downloading. We appreciate it. And first-time listeners, hello and welcome, and we hope you enjoy the show and become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, should you opt out of the My Health Records database? Telstra has deployed new LTE-B technology for high-def video streaming, and Apple has updated its lineup of MacBook Pros. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to look at the LG G7 ThinQ smartphone, Microsoft's new Surface Go tablet, and the products that can help you organize your keys and accessories. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Massive show for you, so we're not going to waste any time. Our health records are going to be moved onto an electronic national database. It's going to be called the My Health Record. And they have announced just today that Australians now have the option of opting out of the My Health Record database. This is despite assurances from the Australian government, the federal government, to say that their data is safe. Data from any person in Australia and we're all we've all been opted into the system so what we need to do is opt out of the system if we are not comfortable with the government uh, having uh, this this record database for all, all our medical records so we now have the option we have until October the 15th to remove ourselves from the program so we we're already the government has assumed you want to be included we now have to take the to to make the move to opt out of it if we don't want to be part of it. So it's good that we've got the choice, but the government is saying that your data is going to be safe. There there is uh, there's nothing to worry about. So uh, the the debate has has already started now about the cases to for opting in or opting out or staying in and opting out. Now, when, when we talk about this centralized database, My Health Record, what does that mean? What information will they have? Well, this, the, the, the information they'll have will include things like uh, if a patient has allergies, chronic health conditions, ec- any x-rays and scans you may have had, Medicare claims, history, uh, other information like that. So there's all this stuff. Uh, you know things like whether we've got uh, our, our immunisation history, whether we're organ donor uh, donators. Uh, so all all of this stuff is written down, is is kept in this database. And the reason for this is so that it, it streams streamlines the system a little bit, so that doctors have access to your information, 
So if you are, if you are uh, seeing a new doctor, for example, rather than you having to tell them your whole health history or them trying to access a, a physical file on a piece of paper, they can just call up your your records on the My Health record and see all the information that they need. Now, on Tech Guide, I've written a story about what should you do. Should you stay in or opt out? So I'm going to go. I'm going to go through the cases for and against. I'm going to start with why you should stay in, and then I'm going to outline the reasons why perhaps you may want to opt out. So let's kick this off with: these are the reasons why why people may want to stay in the system. For a start, doctors are going to have access to important information. So important information like test results, referrals whether you're HIV positive, whether you're allergic to penicillin, whether you are or any medical condition, so that this can give you proper medical care no matter what doctor you see. Another reason would be because it would reduce unnecessary duplication of tests. There are uh, been many occasions where the same test has been run uh, from different doctors, so better coordinated care for patients, especially patients who are seeing multiple doctors for various things. The other another reason, uh, you can control what information you want to include. You can actually choose what info you want. You can even uh, set a PIN number for, for uh, even more protection on your, on your records. Um, they've said that selling data to a third party will be strictly prohibited. So that's I list that as maybe a reason to stay in. Uh, it will also reduce, and this is an important one, I think, it will reduce the number of medication errors. Uh, that there there have been apparently uh, in in the last few years more than two hundred and thirty thousand Australians have been hospitalised because of a medication error. That's a huge number of people, and the, this system will help prevent that. The government also says that your information is protected and only be accessible by authorised healthcare providers. So if you don't don't think that some Someone can just call up your stuff. You've got to be an authorised healthcare provider. You'll also receive notifications when your system, your records have been accessed and by whom. So that, that's a, that's another tick for the stay stay in box. Now let's talk about maybe the reasons why you'd want to opt out. There is a risk, however unlikely you may think it is, there is a risk that your information could be exposed. There's been several breaches. Of information from government from government systems, this could be another one. And having made this medical information that could be on sold to third parties, if it is in fact stolen, uh, could be a valuable asset for for someone to have. Uh, another reason to opt out would be because your health data will become uh, available to even more medical practitioners than ever before, and that thereby increases the risk for errors and data leaks. So the more people accessing your file, the more risk of a leak. Uh, your records will also be held for 30 years after your death or 130 years after your birth. So whatever is easier to work out, that's how long your record is going to be sticking around for. Uh, another reason to possibly opt out is the, is the fact that your data might be used for research and public health purposes. Uh, but in an, in an anonymous form. So it's not going to be, here's Stephen Fennec's medical records, let's see what we think about them. It'll be, here's a male uh, who lives in, in Sydney, here's his records, let's see what we think about them. So don't think it's going to be uh, identified. Although just by them using that your data for these purposes, 
again, that exposes another security risk. The other thing to think about, too, is that what happens if there's a change of government down the track? What happens to that data? So if suddenly there's a change of government or even a change of leader, the policies around how your data is handled, that might all go out the window. That might change. And I think the final point for opting out is that no one could ever guarantee the security of your health records. No one can say. Now, if you can never promise that because there's always a possibility of a breach. So there, there are sort of both sides of the argument there. Stay in, opt out. Uh, I've, I've gone through all of them on Tech Guide. Really worthwhile to take a look at. Uh, I've seen a lot of reaction to this on social media where parents are saying, me and my kids are off this thing until we know more, until uh, there's more information shared. But, uh, you know, this is a decision you need to make. If you want to stay in, great. You don't have to do anything. If you want to opt out, you got till October 15. I've listed where you need to go on my Tech Guide story, the website, the Australian Digital Health Agency website. So if you do want to opt out, you've got 90 days. October the 15th is the cutoff. You want to read more about that story, the My Health Records, those reasons to stay in or opt out, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Telstra Network has once again uh, unveiled the world first technology, and this time it's LTE B, B short for broadcast technology. This is like another facet of their 4G network where they can deliver high definition video and audio for broadcast content. So if you're, for example, streaming a live sporting event, you can enjoy better quality even if you're in a crowded area. So the the problem before with the, the conventional streaming technology is the fact that the more people on it, the worse the quality became. So the traditional the traditional broadcast tech, if you are among a lot of people, a lot a lot of people are hammering the cell where you happen to be, you'll see the signal dumb down. You won't lose the signal, but the quality of the signal, so that conventional unicast will degrade when there's more people on board. What LTEB demonstrates here is the fact that it's, it's a lot more robust and a lot wider bandwidth so that you can see in its best quality whatever the content happens to be. For now, all we can watch is the AFL Live app, so if you want to watch uh, watch the app, any of that information, whether it's live or uh, other catch-up information, you can now watch it in really good quality if you're a, a Telstra customer, B, if you're a Samsung Galaxy S9 and S8 user. So you need to be that, that person, Telstra customer, Samsung Galaxy S9, S8 user, and running the AFL Live official app to enjoy that high-definition streaming. Now, it comes along at a time where we're consuming a lot more on the go. Now, in this case, in, in the case of the AFL Live official app, which they use as the example here, there's been a 58% increase in customers streaming games. So in some cases, that's more than twice the number of customers that have streamed compared to the same clash a year earlier. So that's really interesting where we are accessing more content on the move. This sort of technology will allow 
so many subscribers to access the, in high quality that same content. Now, at the launch last week, they did a little demo where they had more than 100 Samsung Galaxy S8 and S9 devices. All They were all sort of in, in, all gathered together in various rows, so you can see them all streaming the exact same content in the exact same quality as well. So 100 S8 and S9 devices, which were streaming HD content from the AFL Live official app, and they were all gathered together in a bunch. There's a picture on the Tech Guide story. So this was a really interesting demonstration of how that improved quality and enhanced video and audio experience for the customer uh, for their whenever you're watching live and real-time content. And I'm, I'm assuming, and I, I know this for a fact, that this will also expand to other apps. I'm, I'm hoping the NRL app gets it sooner rather than later, as well as to more devices because it's pretty limited at the moment. AFL Live on a Galaxy S9, Galaxy S8, more devices and applications will be included in the coming months. I'm tipping that the new iPhone later this year when it's announced will have this capability uh, and also the NRL app perhaps in the 2019 season will have this capability as well, as will the netball, the motorsport, all the all the content, the sporting content especially that Telstra has, I'm pretty sure that they're all going to get this LTE-B enhancement uh, in the months and years to come. It just goes to show that we are streaming a lot more on the go and we love our sport and we love our phones. So here is a way for them to combine all of those with this brand new technology. You can read that story if you want at techguide.com.au. Well, Apple has been busy in the last few months uh, preparing the the new refreshed range, refreshed range, I just said, of the MacBook Pro. Now, the MacBook Pro range uh, has is, is very popular, 13-inch and 15-inch versions. Uh, and these, a couple of years ago, you remember they added the touch bar. So uh, that, that design has been around for a little while. There's been, I think, one speed bump since that. I think the touch bar was introduced back in 2016. Last year, there was a speed bump, I think, at the Worldwide Developers Conference. Well, here we are more than a year later, and we've now got another updated range for the MacBook Pro. Physically, design-wise, they look no different. It's all under the hood that you're going to see most of the improvements, and uh, the improvements are in the shape of a new six-core processor for the 15-inch model and a faster processor that'll be up to two times faster for the 13-inch model. The 15-inch model, they think, is going to be up to 70% faster than the previous 15-inch, so last year's model, 70% faster. That's remarkable. The other improvement, too, uh, is, is in if you're a developer, for example, the MacBook Pro can now help you run multiple virtual machines. That's sort of what they try to test their code out on. And you can also combine code, compile code, even faster than ever before. So it's great if you're a developer, this is going to be attractive. You can get through, compile that code faster, run those virtual machines, test out the code, get things done faster. Now, the upgraded models too, uh, the 15-inch model will support up to 32 gig of RAM. That's a a hell of a lot of RAM. So it just goes to show how powerful that device will be. That's the 15-inch model. They've also been updated with True Tone Retina Display. Anyone who owns an iPhone 10, and I think the iPhone 8 has this feature too. They've got the True Tone Retina Display, which means that the screen reacts to your environment. If it's bright, uh, if it's dark, it'll adjust the screen, and not only the screen brightness, but also the screen temperature, just so that things are rendered properly 
on your screen. That now is part of the MacBook Pro Retina display. There's also been a graphics improvement. There's a new Radeon Pro graphics on board, uh, and the keyboard has even been updated. So the keyboard on the MacBook Pro, not much travel in the keys. I currently use a 15-inch MacBook Pro, so last year's model. Uh, now they're saying that there's going to be it, it'll type even quieter. So you can tap away, quieter typing. I don't mind that one bit. Uh, the touch bar, still there, but there are now more ways for you to interact. So no matter what application you're using, the touch bar is really useful. Uh, there's also uh, Touch ID, which is still there. That it helps you install software or wake up the device. It's really handy rather than have to type in a password every time you, your device locks. You just pop your fingerprint on the reader there and it opens up. Connectivity-wise, you've got two Thunderbolt 3, which are in the shape of a USB-C port on the 13-inch model, four on the 15-inch model. They're pretty much the same uh, as, as previous models. There were two on the 13 and four on the 15. Uh, the 15, you can connect two 5K displays or four external GPUs. So uh, pretty powerful. It can run uh, that those additional uh, accessories there. The 15-inch MacBook Pro can support up to four terabytes of SSD storage. That's solid-state drive storage, up to two terabytes on the 13-inch as well. One other new feature, though, is the Apple T2 chip. This was a feature introduced on the iMac Pro. So what this does, it provides a little bit more security, a sort of system security and support for a secure boot as well as having encrypted storage. So takes it a little, little further along there. Uh, there are also new accessories as well. So you can get leather sleeves for the new MacBook Pros, the 13-inch and the 15-inch. They're 259 for the 13-inch leather sleeve, 289 for the 15-inch. The devices themselves, the 13-inch MacBook Pro starts at 2699 That's 2699 bucks. The 15-inch MacBook Pro, you're looking at starting price of $3,499. And they're available now. The day they announce these, uh, they, they, they're available for order or to buy in store. Uh, I will be reviewing one of these devices. I, I'm due to receive a review unit any day now, and you can check in, check back with Tech Guide for a complete review uh, in the coming weeks. But if you want to read more about those uh, new MacBook Pros and their specs, I've listed all the specs down there. So if you want to go through them line by line, you're more than welcome to ch to do that. So you need you need to head though to TechGuide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Well, you already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro 2 with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick-charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming, and yes, still completely 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up so you can check in on your home, your business, from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more information. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech guy. Now. 
A Tech Guide Review with Stephen Fennick. First up on the Tech Guide Reviews is a smartphone uh, from LG, the LG G7 ThinQ smartphone. And I have to say, one of, the, one of my favorite Android smartphones I've seen in recent months. This is a really smart product, really nicely designed phone, lots of great features on board, also features that are not only matched by other flagship devices, but features that don't exist on those other devices, which I'll go through in a moment. But first, let's address this issue with LG and its smartphones in the marketplace. Now, we all know LG make great televisions and they sell like hotcakes. I pose the question, they also make excellent smartphones, but why do they have a really small market share? Have people not joined the dots that a company that makes these great TVs can also make great smartphones as well? It may surprise you to know that there are more than 70% of Australian smartphone users are spread across just two brands. You guessed it, Samsung and Apple. I think the figure is about 72% of customers, smartphone customers, either have a Samsung phone or an Apple phone or an iPhone. So that leaves the remaining 28% or whatever it is split up between brands like LG, Huawei, HTC, Oppo, Nokia, Alcatel, Sony, BlackBerry, Google, and Motorola. That's a lot of companies scrapping for 28% of the market. Now, Samsung, which, which like LG, also make TVs, and customers have made that leap. They're thinking, right, they make good TVs, they also make good phones, and they're number one global market leader in smartphones. LG also make great televisions, and also make really good smartphones. They're premium devices, even back to the G6. Uh, last year was a, was a great device. The G7 this year is no, no exception. It is a premium Android smartphone that can stand shoulder to shoulder with these other brands. But customers haven't joined the dots. Uh, I think... LG would probably be, there'd be people who may may not have heard of the G7. There'd be people, sadly, that may not even know that LG makes smartphones. Well, they do, and I'm here to tell you, the G7 is worthy of your consideration if you're looking for a premium device. It costs over a 1000 bucks, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But here is a device that is not only well-designed, it's got a really good screen, got great audio quality, got got all these features that combine for a really premium experience. The, the, the design of this thing is, is pretty smart. It's got nice rounded edges. It's got a thickness of just 7.9 millimeters. It's got a dedicated Google Assistant hotkey on the left edge and speakers top and bottom, which I'll also talk about in a moment. There is a dual 16-megapixel camera on the back, uh, as, as well as a smart, uh, sorry, a fingerprint reader uh, on the back as well. The, uh, it feels good in your hand. It's got that nice 18 by 9 display, thin bezel. So while it's got a 6.1-inch display, it doesn't feel like a massive phone in your hand because of that, that, that uh, shape, the 18 by 9 shape. The LG G7 ThinQ, and ThinQ is LG's AI trademarks because it's on their televisions and other products. So here's the, the link here where it also has AI in the camera, which I'll also talk about in a second. 6.9-inch super bright display. The reason it's called super bright is, well, because it is super bright. If you are looking at this in the midday sun, still really clear and really crisp. That is not one, not, not something that many other smartphone companies can claim. This has got an industry-leading 1,000-nit brightness 
brightest screen on a smartphone, hence the name Super Bright. There's also a notch, but you have the option of going notchless. You can square off the top of the screen if the notch shape bothers you. You can square off the the main portion of the screen. The time and your battery percentage will still be up in that in that area, but the screen, the top of the screen, that where the display is, that'll be rounded off so that it, it doesn't appear to have that notch shape. That's up to you. I don't mind the notch. I kept the notch when I was uh, using this as my my main phone, and it didn't bother me one bit. Now, the camera, one of the main features on this device is the camera. It does take excellent photos. Those 16-megapixel rear dual cameras, they take great images in low light, have really smart portrait modes as well. It's got AI on board, so it, can, it knows what it's looking at, can adjust to, you can adjust the mode for you on the fly. Like I took some pictures of, of my, my one of my Dalmatians, Logan, there. It said pet, I think it said dog, and it adjusted adjusted accordingly. There's a photo of the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge, and it said, oh, landmark, so you can recognise that. Adjusted everything on the fly as well. And those pictures turned out great. You can check them out for yourself on my story. So th- this camera holds its own against other brands. I think it's uh, is, a, is a capable camera. That AI uh, feature, again, helps you take a better photo. Uh, it also has, it's one of the first smartphones with Google Lens. So this is the, the app that allows you to, it's like a new way to search and find information. So when I pointed the Google Lens at the Opera House, for example, it, t- it recognized it was the Opera House, gave me some information about it. And same thing could apply when you're pointing it not only at landmarks, but plants, animals, books, other objects that you want to find more about. It can even add a business card to your contact just by looking at it, add an event to your calendar as well, and even look up an an item on a menu uh, all through the camera lens thanks to Google Lens. Now, camera, yes, big tick there. So that'll satisfy a lot of customers because, let's face it, we buy we buy phones because they take good photos, not because they make good phone calls. And this camera is more than capable. It, It produces some stunning results. So big tick there. Moving along to the audio, now here's an other, another feature that that LG has provided with the G7 that creates a really, really nice experience. There is a feature on board called the Boombox Speakers. Now, what this allows you to do is to play your music out loud through the top and bottom speakers. And what, what LG's done, they've taken the internal space of the phone and made it a resonance chamber to really pump up the, the sound, the bass, and the sound quality as well. So on its own, I was playing it, just resting it on my desk. It was so clear and loud that you didn't need an external speaker. Forget the Bluetooth speaker. This thing was okay by itself. So that was a really interesting feature. So rather than you pairing a Bluetooth speaker, this can power along on its own. And it even uses the desk or I even sat it on the box that came in. It used the air inside the box as well to pump up the bass even further. So really smart. You can feel the back of the phone vibrating when you're listening to the sound. So great if you're traveling and rather than having to pack a speaker, you can just keep the phone and let it do all the work and play your music or your audio book or whatever you want to hear. It'll play it loud and clear. The other thing that is on board is DTS-X. Now, this means you can hear virtual 3D sound for all your content. So if you're watching a movie, it's like sitting in a multi-speaker cinema. So this is, And this is all through the earphones or headphones that you happen to be wearing. So it's like 7.1 channel audio through your earphones. That's pretty impressive. The other thing it's got, too, is super far-field voice recognition. The other devices to have that feature are smart speakers. 
So you can potentially use this as a smart speaker if it's on the other side of the room and it's playing music. It can distinguish your voice from up to five metres away, even while music is playing loudly. That's a feature that normally only a smart speaker has, but it is on board the G7 FinQ. Really impressive. On the battery side, you get a 3,000 milliamp hour battery, which got us through the day. Was was uh, no real issue with the battery. There was probably like 20% left at the end of the day. Probably needed to, a charge at, the, at night when we got home. Uh, but if you are a super heavy user... Uh, you will, you might struggle a little bit there. If you say, say you want to kick on after work and you, you've you're on, uh, only got about 20%, that might not last you the night. The other advantage, though, is that you, there's wireless charging on board, so you can just pop it on a wireless charger throughout the day to top it up or charge it overnight, whatever you like to do. Uh, one thing that uh, that I think would have been a nice addition to this phone is would have been incorporating the home button back into the fingerprint reader. There is a, a home button on the bottom of the screen, so a virtual home button. But on their old phones, the back, the fingerprint reader and the home button, which LG, by the way, was one of the first companies to relocate that button to the back of the phone. Others, Other companies have followed. What that used to have is if you press the fingerprint reader, it's your home button, so it gets you back home. Now, uh, and it was also your fingerprint reader. Now it's just a fingerprint reader. You still got to turn the phone around and uh, hit the home, the virtual home key to take you home. I think it would have been nice to incorporate the home button in that fingerprint reader as well. Not a deal breaker, but just a suggestion. Pricing wise, you're looking at a thousand and ninety nine dollars. Now here's where there may be an issue. 1099 puts it right up against the Samsungs uh, and iPhones and other premium devices that are, that are shooting for that market, like the HTC U12 Plus, uh, the Google Pixel phones. Now, in remember what I said before, where 72% of phones of users are spread across two brands. So if you're competing in that level, you're likely to lose. You're not going to come off second best. You're going to come off third best. So in this instance, if someone's got a thousand and ninety nine bucks to spend, and they want to look at a premium phone, as good as I've made LG, and this is a good phone. As good as this phone is, I suspect more people will probably opt for a Samsung or an iPhone. That's reality. That that's not denigrating LG at all. That's reality. That's what people are going to do. So what I, my thinking would be, if you can lower the price slightly, so offer the value, offer the features and value. That's going to probably win you more customers. But I, I don't think, you know, LG, obviously, you know, a proud company, doesn't want to be seen to be offering an inferior product to its competitors. And, and the, the competitors I'm talking about is Apple, Samsung, uh, HCC, all these companies that want to produce, you know, Huawei, all these companies that have got high-quality phones, they don't want to be seen to be coming off second best against these other companies. And the other companies are facing the same issue. They're coming off at least third against these other companies because they're, all their phones are priced over 1000 bucks. I think price it under 1000 even make it 999 or 899 customers are going to go, whoa, that is good value. Look at all the features you get. I'm going to buy that. That, that would really pump up their volume, really increase their market share. In my opinion, uh, they, 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 I remember last year with uh, the V30, they released that, uh, I think, in September last year. That was priced at over 1000 bucks, And again, a truly remarkable phone. They did knock the price down to 999 as a special offer through JB Hi-Fi, and it, it sold out. 
they have they have the same opportunity here, and you never know, might be the trick to get even more market share and recognition for the LG brand as a more than capable smartphone manufacturer. If you want to read my complete review of the LG G7, you need to head to techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Moving right along, let's talk about Microsoft, and they've just announced a new Surface tablet. But not any old Surface tablet. This is more an entry-level, more accessible Surface tablet. It's the smallest, lightest, and most affordable tablet that Microsoft has produced. Now, I think this comes in response to what Apple did a few months ago. You recall they had an education event in Chicago and announced the entry-level iPad, uh, which was the, with the 9.7 screen, was now Apple Pencil compatible. So it was a really big push into the education market where here you can buy an iPad that's a few hundred bucks. It'll still work with Apple Pencil. And that was that's obviously attractive to not only entry-level customers but also students. So I think here comes Microsoft. They were looking at their Surface range. And, you know, they had their Surface Pro, Surface Pro 3, 4, whatever it happens to be. I... You, you would you would have seen that the pricing of those devices were quite high. You're looking at fourteen, fifteen hundred, and more for and like they were very powerful tablets, running Windows ten, the whole kit and caboodle, but they were way way expensive, especially for a student. I think Microsoft now have seen an opportunity here to create an affordable device that will appeal not only to the average customer, but also really play in that education space. It's got a 10-inch screen. A, an eight, it's 8.3 millimeters thick, weighs just 520 grams. So really portable, really easy to carry around, ideal for a student. The Surface uh, Go is going to be priced at $599. It's going to be uh, powered by the 7th Gen Intel Pentium Gold processor. So still pretty powerful. Nine hours of battery life. So again, easily last the whole school day. So whether you want it for work, play or study, Plenty of uh, plenty of battery power there, and obviously running Windows, so it'll run the full suite of Windows, Office, uh, Microsoft Office applications as well. Again, another big tick for the education market. The display is a high-resolution pixel sense display, uh, and also supports Surface Pen, and gives you four thousand and ninety-six levels of pressure sensitivity. Pretty similar to what you get on the Surface Pro, uh, and that's right down in the Surface Go, this entry-level device. In uh, the Microsoft went to, uh, they pointed out that in portrait mode, the Surface Go can render a page to the scale of most textbooks. So you think of this as possibly a textbook replacement. And in, in landscape mode, which is wide, the wide when the screen is on its side, so it's wide, it can simulate side-by-side pages of a paperback. So here's Microsoft's sort of message to say, well, it can be a textbook, can be a, a novel, whatever you want it to be, this can be that for you as well. Uh, so not only can it be used for work, for study, but also for entertainment. If you're watching movies or playing games, uh, it can do that, do a great job of that as well. It also has the built-in kickstand, as we've seen with other Surface tablets, so you can rest it at a comfortable angle, whether you're typing or just watching something. There's a USB-C port as well as a micro SD card reader, so you've got the connectivity right there. So uh, it also comes with some accessories too. These are, I think you've got to pay extra. The uh, signature type cover. 
which has the trackpad. There's also a Surface mouse and, of course, the Surface Pen, all sold separately. The Surface Go with Wi-Fi will be available for pre-order. That's available now, actually. Expected release date of August the 28th. And from what I'm hearing, a Surface Go model with 4G LTE on board, that's coming later this year. Microsoft Surface Go, expected on August 28th, 599 bucks. We will have a complete review of the Surface Go on Tech Guide in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, if you want to see what it looks like, you can see that story at techguide.com.au. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to be organized. And products that can help you get organized are going to go a long way with me. And one of those products is from an Australian company called Orbit Key. They've come up with these products that can solve those everyday problems uh, to carry everyday items. And you think about stuff that we need to carry with us. We're talking keys, membership cards, ID tags, all these things that need to be on us, that we need to have easy access to and to carry around with us. So Orbit Key, an Australian company, Melbourne-based company, as a matter of fact, have created a range of products that allow you to get organized. The, the ring, the clip, and the strap, and another product called the, the Key Organizer. And these device, these products uh, are, may sound simple, but they have kind of, they've, they've added their own little savvy style to these products as well. We've all seen key rings, but Orbit Key is sort of taken, they're, they're, they're like the apple of key rings. They've made really nicely designed, made of really nice materials. The ring, which is their patented technology, has a, a, a patented mechanism that allows you to get your keys on and off. Now, how many times do you try to get keys on and off a regular key ring? You've got to try to prise it open. You, know, with a, you need a sharp object or you've broken your fingernails trying to get your keys to load your keys on it. Not so with ring. The ring is a simple two-step motion, and the ring allows you then to load your keys and then lock it back into place again. No broken nails, no muss, no fuss, really easy to do. Now, the ring, the clip, the strap, and the organizer, they all work together. So if you want to add a ring to your organizer uh, and your straps, all these, all these, they can work together or by themselves, however you want to do it. So the, the products are basically, like we mentioned, a key ring, there's a carabiner, and a strap. But they, they can all be used together. You can use them not only with keys, but if you might want to carry a water bottle. You might want to attach a, uh, use the strap to attach to your camera. There's all these ways you can do it. Uh, the ring is $17.90. That's where they start out. Really handy if you want to load your keys on it. No need to get any of those sharp objects or break any fingernails. That works pretty well. The clip has a ring for your keys and then a carabiner so that you can attach it to your backpack or your handbag, whatever you want, you know, your belt loop, wherever you want it to go. Really handy for that as well. The strap, that has a sort of longer leather strap so you can wear it on your wrist and attach your keys to the ring or attach the ring to a camera or a torch or anything else you need to carry around that is a, another use for it right there now the leather key organizer this is a handy one as well it can fit up to seven keys on on board and it allows you then to fan out the keys and use them as you need so what happens when they're folded into the organizer if there's a leather top and bottom so it's not going to they're not going to rattle around in your pocket they're not going to scratch anything else that's in your pocket you may have it in your pocket with your phone so not only organizes your keys but also tucks them away so it's not going to damage anything else in your pocket. 
Really, really handy. Orbit Key, if you want to see all of those products, we've we've given them a bit of a run on Tech Guide as well as a link to their website if you want to order some for yourself. You want to see those Orbit Key products, check them out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that keeps you and your family safe online. They're introducing Norton Core. This is a secure wireless router that delivers both protection and performance. Norton Core leverages Symantec's global intelligence network to help defend your connected home against malware, viruses, hackers, and other cyber threats. Welcome to more secure Wi-Fi. Traditional Wi-Fi routers may not be smart enough to keep cyber criminals from breaking into your home, the home network and devices, even with a password. Norton Core is. It is smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that includes Norton Core Security Plus to help block threats from cyber criminals before they can infiltrate your connected life. Setup is quick and easy with their smartphone app, giving you access to fast Wi-Fi with broad coverage. Plus, you get protection for unlimited connected devices inside the home and Norton Security to cover 10 computers smartphones or tablets outside of your home. Help protect your connected home with the Norton Core Wi-Fi router. Pre-order Norton Core now exclusively through Harvey Norman and receive a $100 Harvey Norman gift card. To find out more about Norton Core, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Our Tech Guide help desk, we had an interesting question from a a reader asking about their smart TV and how they can record their programs with the smart TV. I did point out, uh, I think this person had a 75-inch LG TV, which runs the really nice web OS operating system. I did point out the fact that all you need to do to record free-to-air TV on your LG TV and on other TVs for that matter. A lot of smart TVs have this feature. All you need to do is attach an external hard drive. So all you need to do, get an external hard drive, like a one terabyte drive, whatever you happen to have, uh, even a larger hard drive. It's up to you if you've got the room, but a, a portable a portable hard drive will do, an external drive. Connect that with your USB cable to the back of the television and the interface, the existing web OS interface, will not only recognize the fact that there's a hard drive, but also then allow you to record your free-to-air shows to that hard drive. And, and the, all the playback recording is all done through the in existing web OS operating system. So if you do own a smart TV and you want to record your free-to-air, you don't need to go out and buy a recorder. Just get a little external hard drive connected to the USB port on the back of your TV and you'll be able to record free-to-air programs right there. And a terabyte, pretty cheap to buy a terabyte drive, that's room for hundreds of hours of programs. Uh, Really easy and it all works through your existing TV's operating system. As long as it's a smart TV, recent TV, within the last two or three years, this feature is is possible. We've written about it in all the TV reviews that we've done over the years. You can check those out at techguide.com.au. 
And that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Can you believe how quick that went? You can read about everything that we've talked about, of course, at our great website, techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch, email us, info at techguide.com.au, or respond to uh, the site. You can see there's a record button now on the side there or in the middle of the homepage. I even share it on social media. If you want to press that record button, it will allow you to record a voice bite. So if you've got a question for me, record it. I'll play your voice on the Tech Guide podcast and answer it right here on the program. Special thanks. We want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks once again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. <laughs> 